On the last episode of Modern Practice, we began reviewing the changes to risk models and how they affect clinical documentation. On this episode, we'll finish our discussion and look at perhaps the most significant change. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality at Vizient and Practicing Internist. I welcome back Jim Tamburini, Senior Consulting Director for Clinical Documentation Improvement and Coding at Vizient. Jim, glad you're back. Thanks, Tom. Happy to be here. So previously, we covered a lot of ground about updates to models for palliative care, obesity, malnutrition, cardiac devices, and oncology. So let's talk about what's probably the most significant change. The most significant change that Vizine has made to our risk methodology for 2022 is that some variables will now be accepted with any POA indicator. And let me give you a little bit of background on that. Yeah, please. So previously, with very few exceptions, the majority of Vizient variables needed to be present on admission to be counted towards expected mortality. So for example, if a patient developed an anemia after admission, it would be coded with a POA indicator of no. And POA indicator is present on admission. We talked about that on our last episode. That's an indicator that tells the government, the CMS, whether that condition was present at the time the patient was admitted or if it developed after admission. So the rationale is, according to the Vizient methodology, only those conditions that were present at the time of admission count towards mortality modeling. So there are coding guidelines which indicate if at least one of the clinical concepts in a combination code was not present on admission, the code would be assigned What was happening was organizations were losing out on expected mortality in certain situations. Here's an example. Let's say a patient with COPD goes into an exacerbation after the admission. That's coded with a diagnosis code of J441, COPD with acute exacerbation. And given the fact that the exacerbation occurred after admission, and since that is a combination code, that code would be coded with a POA indicator of no. So the organization would not get credit for the expected mortality associated with that patient's COPD. Now, that actually makes sense to me. So what's the situation now? So Vizian has identified several categories of codes which will now be accepted and counted towards expected mortality with any POA indicator. This is a big deal. And it's a big deal because there are 23 categories of codes that that applies to. We're not going to go over all the categories now. Oh, thank you, Jim. Some of the more notable categories include alcohol abuse and drug and alcohol withdrawal, Hmm. asthma, CHF, which includes your acute on chronic diastolic, systolic, and combined CHF, COPD, and type 1 and type 2 diabetes, which includes ketoacidosis with and without coma. Jim, one issue that I'm seeing around the country is in reference to death in patients with heart failure. Specifically, I'm getting a lot of feedback from our providers around the country where they don't feel the patient actually died from heart failure. There was something else, but it still gets coded from heart failure. Can you provide some feedback on what they can do to prevent that? It's really critical for providers to indicate exactly the condition which occasioned the admission to the hospital. So that is the definition of our principal diagnosis. It is that condition after careful study which occasioned the admission to the hospital. Oftentimes, that is not very clearly documented in the medical record, or perhaps a provider has documented it, but he or she may think that they're documenting it, but maybe not documenting in the manner that it can be coded. Are there key terms they should be using or just explicitly saying that the mortality was not caused from heart failure? There's one particular scenario I can speak to there that is in a patient with stable CHF who is admitted due to fluid overload, perhaps because of a missed dialysis. Correct. In that situation, it's really critical for the provider to document this patient was admitted to fluid overload due to noncompliance with dialysis in the setting of stable compensated CHF. Yeah, and I appreciate that clarity. I understand also there have been some changes in the COVID model. 
there have been changes in the COVID model. So what we've done is we've added variables, those two variables we talked about for BMI on a previous episode, BMI greater than 70 and BMI 50 to 69. We've also added variables for COPD, neutropenia, DVT, and CHF. And they've removed some variables for age groups, cardiac arrhythmia, and CAD. Okay, I get that. Hey, Jim, did I ever tell you why I didn't become a pediatrician? No, you didn't. I grew out of it. Da da. I'm sorry. Couldn't help myself. I understand there were some pediatric changes in the COVID model as well. There were some changes in the 2022 pediatric COVID model. The 2022 pediatric COVID model was based on nearly five times the submitted cases as was the 2021 model group. So what we've done is we've included variables for viral pneumonia, immunocompromised state, non-invasive ventilation, shock, and then other cardiac diseases. So Jim, in summary, what do our listeners need to keep in mind for these updates and how can they stay informed? As always, it's critical to document completely in your medical record. What we often say is use the MEET criteria, monitor, evaluate, assess, and treat. If you've got a patient with diabetes, indicate in your note that I've reviewed this patient's blood sugar, it's stable, they're going to continue their home medications. That's absolutely critical when it comes to capturing diagnoses that across the spectrum, across the myriad organizations out there that are tracking how sick your patients are and are rating you and publicly for the whole world to see. Mm -hmm. In order to get credit for that, we must document those conditions thoroughly such that they're able to be coded. Couldn't agree more. And going back to how we started the episodes, providers write notes for other providers. It's important that you help them understand that their clinical truth doesn't come out unless you actually work on these variables and document completely and appropriately. That's so true. Whether it is CC or MCC capture, Vizient variable capture, or capture of a variable in another mortality modeling methodology, because there are others, it's really critical to make sure that you document completely and thoroughly to ensure that you're getting the credit for your hard work. So Jim, I want to emphasize something because this is actually entirely new. So it's actually very common that during a hospitalization, patients with COPD, even though they didn't come for COPD, get an exacerbation. And obviously the same thing has occurred with patients with heart failure. Can you elaborate a little bit more about the importance of the documentation of that since it's not even a POA to help you in reference to your variables and again, your clinical truth to come out? It's really critical for providers to indicate what conditions the patient presented with versus those conditions that occurred after admission. It may seem silly, but it really is pretty critical. Another critical element is updating that problem list. Mm -hmm. We find the problem list to be a major problem across the country, irrespective of the type of electronic health record that's used. So Jim, you know, I get a lot of pushback from many of our providers when it comes to the use of the problem list. They give feedback that there's components there in the ambulatory setting, but what would you say many coders look at when they look at the problem list? That's an excellent question. What we have encountered across the country is that many coding programs don't even look at the problem list because, as you just stated, there are conditions out on there from the ambulatory setting. There are conditions that occurred in previous years in some cases that are no longer active. We'll see sepsis. We'll see respiratory failure. We'll see all kinds of crazy conditions that have occurred in previous visits that just have not been removed from the problem list. And what that does is it poses a serious detriment to accurate coding because coders have to examine examine the medical record to identify which of those conditions have been treated or monitored. And if one is coded inappropriately, that could lead to an overcoded DRG, which is subject to an audit and it's subject to a denial or a DRG change. 
So it's really pretty critical for providers to update that problem list. And if that's not something your organization's going to do, then it's even more critical for providers in their notes, in their assessment and plan to document all of those active conditions, whether that condition was present at the time of admission and what you're doing to monitor it, evaluate it, assess it, and treat it. All right. I think we got it. Jim, thanks for joining us and giving us your perspective on these important changes. And to our listeners, you can contact Jim at his email address listed in the research section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me in our email, modernpracticepodcast at visioninc.com. We posted a link in our resource section as well. And please join us for other modern practice podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thanks for listening.